I think the, the iconic player who doesn't accept he's declining, I think that's a, that's yeah, a challenge. That's the trouble that's the someone challenge. in, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, we, as as you say, we deal in objective stats in the uh, performance world, um, but we are able to drop into that subjective conversations that we have with players. And it probably is one of the harder ones when the player has to admit to themselves that they're just not in the same physical space, despite... Probably shows. As soon uh, as the tax man got hold of testimonials, <laughs> they stopped. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, what? I, I once worked uh, right. with a physio who got a testimonial. Really? Yeah. Wow. 20 years at the club and managed to have a testimonial against Celtic. But yet, he's so important to the group. Culturally, just leads the dressing room. The cultural architect. The cultural architect. <laughs> leads the dressing room. He makes your job so much easier. We're both trying to get out there and run, and we're not quite as quick as we were when we were 20, are we? Speak for yourself. <laughs> I'm <laughs> electric these well, days. Well, I was, really. Yeah. Um, Welcome, football fans, to Breaking Lines, the podcast that takes you behind the scenes of the beautiful game like never before. I'm Gary Rowett, former player and manager, joined by the insightful Dave Carolan, a man with his finger on the pulse of football's beating heart. Together, Dave and I bring you unrivaled insight, context, and a few stories from the trenches. Join us as we dissect the game, break down the plays, and explore the intricate dance between managers, players, fans, and the beautiful game itself. This is Breaking Lines, where the game is more than just a match. Now, every club has one the older aging player or club legend who's been there for a long time. It's a fan's favorite. The songs have been sung on the terraces every week, but at some stage over your tenure as a manager, the natural ebb and flow of a squad means you're going to have to replace those older players who are finding it tough or, or a club legend. It's, that's got to be one of the most difficult things, surely, when you're building a squad, is managing those players potentially out of the building. Well, firstly, when, when you put declining talent as a, as a heading to this topic, I thought you were talking about us here, Dave. I, oh, no, I did no. wonder where we were going to go with this one, but, but um, <laughs> yeah, look, that's probably one of the most difficult scenarios to manage and to navigate through as a manager, I would say, because, you know, when, when you've got someone that's been at a club for so long, when you've got someone that's had such an impact on the club and on the fan base, and on results and the success over a period of time. In a way, it's a bit of a no-win situation because you're going in as a manager usually to try to improve the results and the fortune of that team. That player's probably coming to the natural end of uh, every player and every person's cycle in, in elite sport, but you can never get away from that feeling that the fans have for that player still. And it's like anything, isn't it? You know, that player could have been scored a winner in a cup final five years prior and hasn't done that for a while. But still, the same feeling is going to, because it's a part of that club's history and you can never rewrite that and you can never gloss over that. So, Especially iconic goal scorers, you know. So if they've scored a goal like that, then they just live on forever. And Yeah, and rightly, and rightly so. That's what clubs are about, aren't they? Like, you know, we walk into clubs and, you, you know, you walk into Derby County as a manager and as a staff, and you look at all those great players that have been at Derby and all those great managers, you know, people like Brian Clough, you know, the players that have gone through that process 
over all of those years. You know, I can name so many of them. And, you know, you, you, you're never going to battle against that. You try to embrace that. But I think there's one thing embracing history and the past and great players that have had great moments for the club. And there's another thing managing that one player that probably can't quite have the same impact or the same effect, but is revered by the fans in the same way. And I think that's a, it, it's a different, I mean, there's so many different sides to that, I think. I mean, it doesn't mean that you have to have a poor relationship with that player, does it? You know, often when we've gone into clubs and that, you know, that player has been a, you get an influential older player that's popular with the fans and popular with the players. And if you can get that player on board and if you can get that player thinking in the same sort of way, that can have such a powerful effect on your dressing room um, or on the messaging going out to the fans. Sometimes you might have a player like that who's a really quiet player that doesn't have any effect on the dressing room or the players, but yet he's just very popular with fans. So, So there's so many different aspects to where that player might be in their career. But I think the biggest, the biggest thing that I always think with that is where you're trying to find the level and you're trying to find the balances. But you have to respect what a player's done for a club, don't you? You have to respect where a player's been in that club's history and you have to almost try to, try to embrace that and accept that this player might still have something really big to offer, but it might just not be... 90 minutes every week or it might not be Saturday, Wednesday or Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday or it might yeah. not be it might be for the last 30 minutes of a game it might be for the first 60 minutes of a game because that's probably the first thing that goes in the older player isn't it we see the decline I'll use that word again kind of of the physical attributes first you know they tend not to have lost the technical skills have they and certainly a, an experienced player is going to have better tactical understanding over the years because they've played so many times but sometimes it's just staying at the physical level of the game and especially as the game the game isn't getting any slower the density and intensity of games is as high as it's ever been and as you get older just recovery's harder even re- just reaching the physical fitness levels required when you're a, certainly a player in your your mid-30s but even earlier than that in certain places yeah, and I think you can, unfortunately, I, I think the biggest challenge is we could see that sometimes, can't we? We can see that as a, and it's only, an, some of it's a fact. Some of the physical parameters are, are, are factual to a certain degree, aren't they? You can get a player that is so experienced, he doesn't need to run as much as the rest of the players. But or ju- they need to run, get them on the line. <laughs> I'm trying to be nice here. <laughs> but, but I suppose you're judging that player against his own yeah. parameters and his own metrics so he's, if, he, if he's not a runner he's probably never been a runner you know if he's if he's been a runner and you can see that drop off physically and and you can assess that down to not the style of play or not down to of course how the games work and down to just he's just not doing the same thing i think the hardest bit with all of this is and it's my experience of most most senior players maybe deep down they know but on the surface, they don't want to accept it because they've been great players, and, and a lot of them are so, a lot of them are so competitive, which is why they have become the player that they've become, and why they've become such an iconic player, and why they've continued to play to let's say 34, 35 at this point, is because they've got that fire inside them all the time that they're trying to prove something, or they're trying to show every season that they can still do it, and often. 
you know, I've had conversations with players where I can see straight away within this conversation, you never throw your cards on the table too early, but I can see straight away this player still thinks. You might turn up as a new manager and you might be saying, listen, you might go, oh, look what challenges you've had, you know, blah, blah, blah. And you're trying to get a feel for the club and you're trying to get a feel for the group and, and he'll say, oh, I've just not had the same opportunities. I've just not had any game time. Like, yeah. I, I can affect the team, but I've not had a chance to. And at that point, you're thinking, damn, he, he thinks he should be playing all the time. And you've maybe already seen that he's perhaps on a bit of a decline. Decline maybe is the wrong word. Just, just age catching up. It's like everything, isn't it? You know, it's like every, everyone finds it in whatever they're trying to do, their sport. You know, we're both trying to get out there and run and we're not quite as quick as we were when we were 20, are Speak we? Speak for yourself. <laughs> I'm electric these well, days. Well, I was really. Yeah. Um, but, you know, so... so or maybe more un- hybrid than electric. <laughs> <laughs> everyone understands it. I think players understand it, but whether they can actually outwardly accept it just yet, I think that's a challenge. I think, I think the, the iconic player who doesn't accept... He's declining. I mean, that's a that's yeah, a challenge. That's the trouble, that's challenge. Then, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, we as as you say, we deal in objective stats in the uh, performance world, um, but we are able to drop into that subjective conversations that we have with players, and it probably is one of the harder ones when the player has to admit to themselves that they're just not in the same physical space, despite everything that they're doing off the pitch in terms of maximizing sleep and nutrition and their training. But time marches on. It just catches up with you, especially if you're at seven, eight hundred games into your career. It's just, it's hard. And injuries also take their toll, don't they? You know, it's it's quite often you see a, an older player has a reasonably significant injury and that time that they spend out, when, when it's a younger player, it's almost brilliant that they get time to develop when they're out with an injury. But for the older player, it can mean just a subtle shift in their whole physical state, which means they can't do what they used to be able to do. And getting them to accept it is the hardest part of the job. Yeah, that's that, that's the challenge, isn't it? I think the challenge for both of us in our in our respective, obviously we're both trying to do the same, the same end goal, but we're doing it in very different ways day to day, aren't we, in certain, certain aspects. I think one of the big things, I mean, sometimes, I mean, it works both ways because sometimes you go into a club and actually... Maybe someone has tried to move past that iconic, experienced player. And maybe you go into a team and you think, you know what? I think the team needs that. You know, we've all seen it, haven't we? Where you go into a team and it's like they've tried to go really young. And really young is giving them the energy, but it's not giving them the game management or the experience. So there's different ways of looking at it. And sometimes we've gone into clubs where we've gone, you know, I think we need to play that player. And I think that player has a, has a sort of inaudible effect on the team but you can't always measure you can't really measure always leadership can you You can't measure that communication and the value of that communication on the pitch you can't measure somebody some of them act as a coagulant and pull the whole thing together absolutely and i think you need that little bit of glue to to keep the team together don't you and and you know you see it now where teams will sign a senior player because they need that impact. Well, sometimes you already have that senior player at the club. I think what you're then trying to do with that senior player is saying, look, I think you can have a really important part. You know, and that player might be going from not playing at all. So I think you can have a really important part, but you've got to understand that might not be 90 minutes every game. That might be 
coming on and seeing the last 20 minutes out when we need someone tactically brilliant at keeping the team together on the pitch. It's very different to doing it on the pitch and off the pitch. Or someone who makes good decisions at the right times. Or yeah. someone who grabs the team together and gives them that organisation they need in those, in those moments where winning games are those fine margins at the end of a game. Or it might be someone that, you know what, for certain types of games, so I've done it before where you look and you might have a defender who's not particularly mobile, but he's still got that great leadership and aggression around them. And you know certain games where you're at home and you might have to, you might have to press higher up the pitch your defence might be on the halfway line. There might be lots of space around them and you know that won't suit that player. There might be other games when you go to a top team away from home where you need to sit in a little bit, block spaces, be resilient, be organised and some of those moments where you need that senior player to, to shuffle your team around for you and galvanise it. So, so I think if you can, I think if you can I say sell sounds disingenuous but I still think you know to certain to sell the role to that senior player I think you can then get a win-win where the player still feels part of it the player still seeing because you still got to make a player feel valued at that age who's given so much to the team and given so much to the club and the fan base and has still has a lot to offer and I think there's different ways of doing that you know so I think the challenge is the one where the senior player the popular player the the one that's legs are going but doesn't have the effect on the team but the fans love but you just know don't fit your way of playing and you know that's going to be a huge battle yes you can still be respectful but ultimately there's no way around it you're going to be battling because the player's not going to be on the pitch he might not even be in the squad the fans are going to be on you because of that reason but you've got to keep single-minded around the team needs something different. And sometimes those are the decisions you have to make as well. So you get to the position where, okay, the, the game time is going to be limited. Um, maybe the team has moved on past the player. What, what kind of strategies around next moves are available for the player? I suppose the ultimate one, I suppose, to stay involved is becoming player coach or something like that. Do you have to think about what the potential exit strategies are for players or is, is that something that just has to come out itself, what the player wants as well? Uh, yeah, a bit of everything, but I still think you have to have a bit of a strategy. And I think, you know, mo most clubs have a, look, most clubs have a strategy around transfer windows. Most clubs have a strategy around if the manager's not getting results, when's a good time to get rid of the manager? But there's yeah. so many different okay. strategies that go on with, within a club. I don't think it's any different as a manager you would think okay so I've got a player that's really popular but perhaps can't do what we want them to do on the pitch and and sometimes the simplest scenario is to let them go let them go and play games let them go on loan you know maybe till the end of their contract then you know there's going to be a natural end to that you know and that, that's not not a great way to do it you don't want the fans you want to give the fans that opportunity as a send-off. And you also want to be sensitive, sensitive enough to know as a manager, maybe sometimes that's not your call. Yeah. You know, in a way, because the player is so popular, maybe that's not your call. And, and I think you have, to, you have to accept, sometimes you want the player, I think if a player's been that popular, you want the player to sort of be able to at least navigate that a little bit himself. 
And, and I think if, if you have that honest conversation with a player, I think you can put it into their put it into their hands, can't you? Look, I want to do this sympathetically. You've been a great player. It's come, time's coming to an end here, and you you know you know that yourself because you want to play, and there's not an opportunity. So, what do you want the season to look like? What do you want the end of the season to look like? I think there's other scenarios where, and we've had it definitely, and and you'll attest to how important it's where we've had a player that's perhaps having less impact on the team, but yet he's so important to the group culturally, just leads the dressing room. The cultural architect. The cultural architect <laughs> leads the dressing room. He makes your job so much easier. You can go to that person and he will sort out the problems for you. You can go to that person and he will discipline the players for you. There's very few of those players around. Gold dust. <clears throat> but when you find one, that is just as important. I don't care what anybody says. That is, I'm, and I might get a stick for this. <laughs> Probably won't be the only thing I get a stick for usually. But, you know, that is just as important as a 20-goal a season striker. You know, for the culture around the building, yeah. for around the club and the dressing room. And I think that's a very different challenge when you've got the owner of your club saying, I'm not wasting another £5,000 a year or ten, a week or £10,000 a week on this player when he's not playing. And you're trying to justify how, <laughs> but this is so important. And then you're thinking about the rest of the world and you're saying, deep down, you're saying, I'm going to give this person half a million pounds a year to be good around the dressing room. <laughs> it sounds like if, the greatest job in the world. If there's a course on that, I want to enroll. <laughs> but, but, you know, so relative to football and relative to football wages, if you can find the balance where I've done it, where I've said, listen, let's offer the player a little bit less. Let's tell him his role is going to be slightly diminished, but he's going to have such a big impact on all the other things, whether that's being a player coach, Thinks a difficult balance because I think suddenly now they're in the dressing room and with uh, the staff. You're viewed differently in the dressing room there, aren't you? I think that's a difficult one. I think you've Sorry. either got to be either or. Yeah. So if you're a coach, you can maybe give a balanced view from both sides, but maybe not, maybe not be as important to the players, if you like, but just as important to the management um, team. I think it's easier if you're in the dressing room and you've got that great, you might be club captain or you've got that great link with a manager and the staff. And I think that's a, that's a brilliant, brilliant role. For me, that's just, you know, why should that pay less than an assistant manager? Or why should that pay less than, you know, a player that's you've signed but doesn't play lots of minutes? Or why what? should that pay more than the head of performance? Why, <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. I said the loud bit, so, the quiet yes, bit out yeah, loud there. Yes, yes. Sorry, Dave. That was a little man on your shoulder going, say it, sure, say, say it. it. Yeah, but, but the point being, whatever that value is, is yes. different at each club and each player. But sometimes that can have an almost intangible value to the group. And, and obviously you have to balance it off with what's a reasonable wage for that. But, but I think that someone who's had those experiences, someone who understands the club and the fans and has a great link to the, you know, I think as a manager, you'd be stupid to go in straight away and battle that. But I think you need everyone to, to be on the right side. I mean, I've been at clubs before where you might have conversations that come up about a player with the owners and they have the same opinion as you. You might speak to the CEO and they have the same opinion as you. You might speak to the head of recruitment and they have the same opinion as you. And then when you leave that player out 
of a squad and you're getting the stick, then you're the only one getting the stick. And you can't really articulate that as a manager, can you? You can't say, well, it's not just me. It's everyone. You know, it's like saying, well, uh, the, the staff picked the team as well, lads. You know what I mean? You, you would never do that. Dave picked this team, man. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't have dropped you, but the assistant manager said that he thought it was a good idea. Yeah. So, but, uh, you know, so I, I think there's times when ideally everybody's on the same page with whatever strategy that is. Ideally, the player's on the same page as well. And I think you can do whatever that looks like, whether that's retaining the player to help you and help improve the team, whether that's moving the player out. I think you can do it all in a respectful way. I think you can do it all in a way that fits that contribution that that player's made over a long period of time, fits what you think is a fitting tribute for him and his family to leave a club or to stay at a club. And, and I think there's different ways of doing that, you know? I think there's far fewer players now that we see who've kind of got to an end of a period at a certain <coughs> club and then drift through the leagues the downward cycle, I suppose, maybe financially now, there's not really the need for some of the players to have to keep playing the game. You know, they can almost finish at a level that's becoming of their status within the game, really, isn't it? Yeah, and also, yeah, I mean, you've got probably two different types of, you know, you've got the player that's been at a club for a while. I mean, again, less pl- you've got less players now, but you get less iconic players at clubs who've been there 10 years, have you? You know, that's probably... Very few, you don't you you hear about very few testimonials nowadays, dear. So probably shows. As soon uh, as the taxman got hold of testimonials, <laughs> they stopped. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, I, I once worked uh, with a physio who got a testimonial. Really? Yeah. Wow. Twenty years at the club and managed to have a testimonial against Celtic. Don't tell me you played in that game as well. No way. <laughs> <laughs> but you, but so. Yeah, so there's probably less players who stay for that long anyway, isn't there, nowadays? But I think when you do get those situations, you get, you get the player that wants to finish in an iconic way. And I think that's great. And I think that's, you know, I think that's probably a fitting way to finish in it at the club where it all happened and you want to be a one club, you know, or, or you want to finish at that club you've been the most iconic at, perhaps. But I think then there's also that player that just doesn't want to finish. You know, we spoke about it earlier. What what makes a top performer of that level? Sometimes it's that inherent desire to just keep proving yourself wrong every season. You know, look at someone like a, not prove yourself wrong, but look at someone like a Ronaldo. When's he going to stop? You know, he's just going to keep playing and playing because in a way he's proving to him and the world once more that he can still do it. And he can still do it at whether that's a top level or not, but he's he's still the top scorer in that division. And there's lots of other good players. I think him and Messi both be playing when they're 70, trying to outdo each other. But as long as they can do it and their body holds up, like, why would you stop? Well, there you go. And, and you know, and, and it's less about, well, it's less about the money. I'm sure it's still about the money, but it's more about achieving and, and proving to yourself. You know, it's that those top, top players just want to keep showing it, don't they? And they love it. So They've so gone you, past external rewards, though. It's not, for, for me, it's not about the money or the trophies. They've won all the trophies that they're probably going to win. They've earned so much money that more money is probably, yes, it's nice, but it's not going to make a difference of them having a slightly better lifestyle, but they still want to play. Yeah, so it's that intrinsic, intrinsic. Yeah, intrinsic desire to play, or the extrinsic feedback from the fans, isn't it? You know, they're still popular, they're still loved, they're still performing, they're still giving joy to people, you know. So I think you've got that side of it. 
And then there's the other side. <laughs> okay. Which is the player that you know is now going to have to drop down. Yeah. And you see, right, well, how far do you want to drop down? And that could be for financial reasons. That could be for still want to play, but just can't play at that top level anymore, but still just want to keep playing. That comes in so many different forms, doesn't it? You know, and, and I think that's, it's always difficult to navigate which that player is. And I think that has a big impact on how you manage that situation and how you, I don't like saying manage that player because it sounds a little bit insincere, but how you, how you work with that player to get an outcome that both of you can sort of see as, as fair and, you know, the best way to move forward both for yourselves and the club, you know, and I think that's, I mean, that's important. Well, I think if Dean Lewington plays another 10 games at MK Dons, he will have played 4 million games for them and is now <laughs> entitled to own the club. Um, How many games has he played, by the way? I think he's nearly on 800 games at, wow. at both Wimbledon wow. and MK Dons. So, yeah, talk about a one-man club, yeah, or one-club man even. Phenomenal to have done, well, it must be not far off 20 years at one single club. That'd be fun. I mean, it's an amazing achievement, isn't it, firstly? And secondly, really interesting to see what he does next, you know, whether he steps, you know, whether that's a natural pathway into coaching at, at MK Dons, whether there's a natural pathway into management at MK Dons because he's so, you know, because he's been so popular. But, but yeah, I mean, that's definitely something for us to look at in the future, isn't it? What makes, what makes someone want to play so long. Let's get a play, you know, let's get a player's perspective from it because that'd be so Oh, I've got the perfect it? one in mind. So oh, stay good. tuned for veteran player comes Hold that to thought. breaking lines. That's the final whistle on episode 11 of season one of Breaking Lines. The challenge of the older or iconic player as time catches up with them. Do they gracefully accept their fate as time creeps up behind them and possibly robs them of their physical attributes? Or is it a career change and become the player coach? Never an easy transition for anyone. Who are you today? A coaching player or a playing coach? Everyone is keeping their cards close. And there's still room for a cultural architect to bring the squad and dressing room together. Not bad for hundreds of thousands of pounds a year. Right, I'm off to retrain as one of those, but see you next time on Breaking Lines. Thanks for listening. <laughs>